You know, for a long time, I meant to try Pete's coffee, but just never gave it a chance. But ever since I did, I have a hard time settling on anything less. And there's something to say about a coffee company with such rich history and devotion to bring you that perfect brew. Since Alfred Pete opened his first coffee bar in 1966, Pete's has selectively sourced the finest beans in the world, carefully calibrating each roast by hand and crafting each beverage with the utmost care. Pete's aims to produce fresh from the roaster's coffee delivered directly to your door, sourcing the top 1% of coffee beans, roasted by hand to unlock each bean's potential, and delivering it to you fresh to bring you the perfect cup. With over 30 flavor varieties in both gourmet coffees and teas, like Vietnam Lotus Bold, Major Dickinson's Blend, and Arabian Mocha Java, you are sure to find the right flavor to start your day. And they even come in K-Cups for those of you who live life on the go. Check out all the varieties of Pete's has to offer by following the link in the show notes below. And starting August 30th, you can take advantage of their Labor Day sale and get yourself 20% off anything on their site by using promo code LABORDAY20 at checkout. This offer is valid through September 5th. That's promo code LABORDAY20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase this Labor Day. But why not do one better? Use promo code NEWSUB30 at checkout and you get yourself 30% off of a new subscription to Pete's Coffee. That's right. All the delicious coffee you could want delivered right to your door each and every month without you ever having to worry about running low. What more could you ever need? That's promo code NEWSUB30 for 30% off your subscription. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. everyone and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. I'm Leah Diana, and today with my boyfriend and co-host, Sean Tatro, we will be winding back the reels to 1974. Four young, modern women in college set out to explore all that life has to give with various new relationships and to study the ones they have been exposed to in their past. In Class of 74. Let's get into it. The class of 74. These gals have a plan. Oh boy, what a plan. They'd rather teach than learn. And who do you think they teach? We outsmart men and we use them. Well, it's about time that these males learn the facts of life, Gabriella, because it's going to be a new day. Oh, it's going to be a new day. I believe in me, my body, my brain. Black is beautiful. You're beautiful. 
Maggie, what do you want? I'm looking for a thrill a minute. Have you got one? Listen, Gabriella. There's just one thing for you to remember. Have a ball. Because life's just one great big celebration. As long as you're the one that's giving the party. The class of 74. You know what? These girls can pass the love test with straight A's. Men dig good-looking bodies. And if you have one, I say use it. I'm making love happen. The class of 74. Listen, fellas, when these babes turn you on... Welcome. Welcome to Sin City. You're hooked. I want to make love to every woman I meet. was very, very different from last week's. But I believe it was trying a little too hard, like the last film, to convey a very artsy kind of story. I think it it had a lot of messages that it was trying to convey mm-hmm. in a very simple way. Yes. And it, I think it succeeded for the most part in what it was trying to be. I'll say right off the bat, I didn't hate this movie. I did not hate this movie. In fact, this movie was a nice little refreshing film in between a lot of heavy stuff we kind of watch. I agree. And also, I, I, I think this is going to be the first in a new reoccurring theme. I assume it's going to be reoccurring because I doubt this is the only movie that will do this that we'll end up covering on this show (laughs) that I'm calling Tits Before Title. Tits Before Title? Yes, because we literally got a pair of tits on screen in full view before the title ever showed up. (laughs) Um, this film is called The Class of 74. The tagline is, to them, life is a ball after ball, after ball. Sean, can you give me, in your words, the definition of the 70s version of a ball? Well, essentially, in the context of this movie, you yes. mean? It's their term for balling is a their term for sex. Oh, there was a lot of sex. <laughs> um... What a lot I, of sex, but not a lot of it on screen. No, no. Um, what I bought was the softest of softcore porns that could be um, displayed. It's about as close to a porn as you can get without actually being a porn. Yes. Um, this was a recommendation from the Grindhouse website. I uh, picked this out with classics like As Soon the Darkness um, and various other ones that I've selected that I thought would be very grindhousey, very um, very interesting. Uh, weren't wrong. No, uh, this was very interesting. But let me tell you, the breakdown is literally three fucking steps. Three, three steps. The breakdown is very simple. Well, so before we break the movie down, absolutely. As we said, we watched Class of seventy four, mm-hmm. which came out in nineteen seventy two. But we believe it was about the the characters were in the class of 74. I actually believe, and I figured out with the ending scene what this what that really meant. 
it was those ladies were graduating from their experiences and teaching a new class of girls their experiences. Uh. Thus, they were the graduating class and Gabriella was the one to teach the ways. That makes sense. So, Clive thought this was class of 74 like antics of college. No, this was class of 74 like we're teaching our, as the back of the box says, loose and uninhibited free spirit from us to the next generation. Okay. So, this wasn't so much a college movie as... um, an education for me in 70s free spirit and sex this movie so this movie was uh it's a classified as a drama romance it was directed by mark bing and arthur marks and it tells like it's a very it's very heavily influenced by the whole free love movement of the 70s. Yeah, like where free love started in the 60s, it's continuing with these these young women in college who, you know, talked about their experiences and how they're getting through, you know, going away from their childhood homes, their parents, and becoming the adults that they're going to become, which is not what I was expecting. I was expecting a Porky's type antic movie, not a movie that made you think. And it did. This it movie did. made me think quite a bit, albeit it was weird. I'm not going to lie. Felt a little dirty at moments. At like, moments. Not porno dirty, just like, like, like that, like a little dirt, yeah. dirty, dirty. So before we get any farther. Back of the box. So I purchased this on DVD. Um, I did not get a Blu-ray or a VHS. And the copy that we have is so imperfect. And it is amazing. uh, I forget the name of the company. Um, Films Around the World Incorporated from New York. Yep. It's just a very basic, and like half of the people are cut off on the on the disc. Yeah. They didn't even try, which is fine. Um, it's got a couple of stills from the movie, and it says, "Beautiful but uptight college student Gabriella gets inducted into a more open and free spirited lifestyle by her, her three loose and uninhibited pals: Fiery Carla, Saucy Maggie, and Brassy Heather. They taught more than they learned." So. I really was hoping that this would be like a grungy, grindhousey kind of movie, but this actually was kind of an eye-opening look into how women wanted to liberate themselves from basically the patriarchy or how women were thought of in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, this uh, this definitely was eye-opening because even now, the way these ladies thought in this film, um, I feel like my mentality is uptight than these guys which is kind of interesting to show the times because in my opinion their vision of sex is like loose and free spirited and my vision of sex is eh, all right whatever it's just it's another thing like sex is not a big deal in this in nowadays this is the thing and you had brought this up while we were still watching it mm. but you have to kind of think about it in the sense of the time. So coming out of the 40s, 50s, into the 60s, 70s, mm. uh, you're coming from where 
sex was not talked about. No. It was not ever alluded to. It was a to. taboo It was thing. behind closed doors, and then, like, that was it. Nobody ever... It, it wasn't a public thing. So, when the free love movement started to rise up in the 60s, it... The whole idea was like, why does it have to be so reserved? Why yeah. can't we be open about this? It's something we all do, something we all need or yearn for. Like, why can't it just be, why, why do we have to be tied to one person? And like, it was very much breaking out of the mold. Breaking out of the, the um, religious monogamous mindset to where each story was very interesting and I'm going to break it down by each story. Um, and I think as opposed to this, well, we're now like close to 50 years from this point. I think we're back to not thinking like this. I think select people think like this. Select people are like, why are we monogamous? Like, why can't yeah. we have multiple partners? If we're, if, you know, we're a married couple, why can't we introduce somebody else well, to kind of spice up that, the That's the why life? now you have all these different, like, I don't know them all, so bear with me, but yeah. like things like poly... Uh, polyamorous you have like open relationships you know you have you know yes i'm exclusive with this person but we we bring someone home to include in the relationship just to spice things yeah. up you know there's a lot of a lot of that nowadays and i think it somewhat probably stems from this whole movement yeah so but there's also a very big movement in this country now that is rolling us backwards yes and it's movies like this where watching this when we first started watching i'm like what the fuck did i buy i just bought softcore porn but um the points they were making really got my brain like going i was like wait a minute like all of these points that each one of these girls made each one had a different reason why they were doing it and it made sense uh, women back in the 50s and 60s were very much, you know, you got married, you had the babies, you ride on your husband, you he was the breadwinner, you stayed at home to watch the children. In each one of these stories, it was the woman saying, you can use your free will and your sexuality and your womanhood to get what you want without hurting anybody. And... I really kind of think about this like, oh, okay. And it brought up some points that we believe in, too. Like, we highly believe in. Well, there's, there's also a lot, like, a, like a layer of feminism yes. here, which uh, it's kind of interesting because we're, we're watching a movie that's basically a showcase of, like, broads, boobs, bodies, like, but it's told through it's, the viewpoint of like the female perspective yeah even though it was filmed by men and you could see there was like look at, and i made it a point to say like one of the one of the scenes they were just doing stills of girls asses and boobs and like their bodies yeah. and i made the point of saying look at how like proportional and flat and normal these women look compared to what we want today now it's big boobs, big asses, tiny waist. It's a very different world to where these girls were very natural. They weren't physically toned or anything. They had a little bit of, they had a tiny little pooch on their tummies, you know, and they were normal women. Right. Which I think at some point in nowadays world, people emphasize too much on the way they look 
And I think this movie really kind of gave you like a sense of how much people back then didn't really care as much as they do now. Like, I wish the world was more like this, honestly, and not worrying about silly things that we are right now. I don't want to get political because a lot of politics in America and a lot of things that are happening with like certain reforms and certain bans, not getting into it. Um, I know where I stand and I know where you stand on a lot of this stuff and it's not a political podcast. It will turn into a fucking shit show. So, yeah, but let me, uh, let me break it down because the breakdown is going to be kind of quick and easy. It's not a lot, but I'd like to kind of go in depth about how we feel about each breakdown. Um, so the first girl we're introduced to, or first girl we're introduced to is Gabriella. Um, it she's seems, our protagonist. Yeah, she seems like maybe a freshman, sophomore. Um, she's talking to, in, the opening is her talking to these three women independently, talking about herself, where with Maggie, she was talking about, do you believe in God? Do you believe in religion? You know, you find out that uh, Gabriella's kind of like close-minded about certain things. Um, then she's talking to Carla, who she's like, I don't know how to be a free spirit. I don't know how to do that. Like, she's talking about what men have, Carla's talking about like, oh, this is what men are asking of me. And it's like, I don't know if I want to do that. But at the same time, I want to experience things. And then Heather, I don't remember hers very much, but she was pretty much like, love is love. Doesn't matter the color. Doesn't matter the race. Like, I don't understand why people have to be so like like narrow-minded about these things and you got a sense of they were trying to get Gabriella to just be more open with herself you're in yes. college you gotta you, you not only do you have to open yourself to learning for knowledge but you gotta open yourself to learning about who you are yes so the first girl that we are intro or well not the first girl we're introduced to uh they all sit around the movie basically breaks into three separate stories. It's kind of an anthology in a way. It is, but it's also a flashback and a flashback and a flashback. I think we got three deep oh before we were like, God. guys, this is ridiculous. This movie does this so much. It does, but I understand why they were doing it because they were trying to like dig deep into why she was the way she was yes. and why she was questioning. So the movie opens up with all four girls sitting around in the quad, kind of talking and... Carla, Maggie, and Heather tell Gabriella, <coughs> we want to teach you the ways of what we're doing, but you have to be very open, very open-minded. You have to, you know, keep all of your, like, opinions and just put them from the back of your mind and do exactly what we tell you. All right. So she agrees. And we see her go with Maggie. Maggie is very strong-willed, very opinionated, and tells her, I have... Someone I know. He's a photographer. She's our saucy redhead. Saucy, saucy redheaded minx. <laughs> um, she pretty much tells Gabriella, I'm going to introduce you to someone who knows a lot of important people, you know, and you can see Gabri- uh, you can say Maggie kind of manipulating the photographer a little bit to like, you know, I'm going to be someone. I'm going to be a star. I knew I was going to be somebody. And if you want to go along for the ride, that's fine. If you don't, whatever, I don't care. And kind of tells Gabriella that keep all of your options open. Don't tie yourself down. Stay free. You know, you never know who you're going to find, what connections you're going to make, which is kind of which is kind of the way you should keep your 20s, in my opinion. You 
Settling down early in your 20s, in my opinion, is not always the smartest idea. Now, if you found someone that you really love and that's what you want, that's what you want. But I am a firm believer of, and I didn't do this, and I think I should have. I didn't do it until my later 20s, where open yourself to new experiences, not ex- not just sexual. Open yourself to all new experiences. Explore, do new things, meet new people. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know where you're going to go. And this is basically what Maggie's, you know, whole thing is. So as she's kind of talking to Maggie, and I don't remember the photographer's name. I don't know if you caught it. Mm, I don't remember. I think I knew it at, in the moment, but I don't remember We're it now. We're just going to call him Sir Blonde Surfer Boy, because that's exactly what Maggie described him as. Yeah. Blonde Surfer Boy. And he's a powerful photographer. He's got connect, higher connections. Worked and, with a lot of celebrities. Yeah, and he, he knows the business. And Gabriella is telling the two of them a story about how she was once in a film where, and the flashback goes back where she knew someone when she was younger, when she was little, named Stefan. They grew up. They fell in love. They're very free-spirited. And they met a couple who was making a, uh, a, a movie about love and the movement of free love and not worrying about being tied down well, to societal she, norms. The way she described that... The movie they were trying to make is they were trying to capture love, like a love of purity in its like truest form. Yeah. So like the love, like some, uh, they wanted essentially two people who were in love, but had hadn't had sex and stuff like that. Yeah. And they wanted to, they wanted to see how it progressed. And I think that's a very vulnerable thing to do, especially if you're two virgins who are trying to kind of get to know yourselves also it's somebody that you've grown up with i didn't i've never had that experience i don't know if you fell in love with somebody you knew when you were younger no (laughs) no but i mean that's a pretty vulnerable thing like when you're falling in love and you're like ah we haven't really done anything like that and then putting it all on film right but it is something like kind of and i'm going to use like the 70s term it is kind of groovy like to capture that essence of like that honeymoon phase well it's it's almost um and this is a very different type of example but it's almost like uh there was a movie that came out not that long ago a couple years ago called boyhood Mm. that the movie was shot over the entire course from birth until uh adolescence over 20 years or no sorry so birth until adulthood over 20 years of a kid growing up. Oh, wow. And, like, that, it was this huge experiment in, like, capturing the, someone's life for that long period of time. Essentially, like, a true Truman show. Yeah. And, I mean, on a much smaller scale. Yeah. But... And without lying to the kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was... It's the, along that same line of, like, you're trying to capture reality in its truest form. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's it's very interesting how, you know, you see this young couple and they're recording them and you see the young couple being brought to a seminar about sex and it was called Eros, which was like erotic something. Of, no, I forget exactly yeah, what it's called, remember. but it was it, the anacronym was Eros, where they wa- a group of people watch two people not have like 
dirty, nasty sex, but have like a session where they make love, where they experience each other. And I have actually kind of seen, um, I've seen a porn kind of close to that where it's, it's not like a hardcore, like stupid porn. It's like, it's like a voyeuristic lovemaking thing where you see two people that really do love each other. Like when you're in the moment with somebody that you love, like it's very different from seeing two people. It's not as uncomfortable as watching a dirty hardcore porn. It's very intimate and you're like, oh, like it's like, should I be watching this? But it's fascinating to see the love that two people have like that. Just how it's very different from two people that just meet, get hard, and just fuck in the corner. Like, oh, okay, we're making profit off of this. So she's telling them the story. Um, Gabrielle is telling Surfer Boy and Maggie the story about this. And she tells her that, like, oh, it, it was very interesting to kind of be privy to this information, watch this, experience it, kind of get turned on. And then when they went back to the filmmaker's home, um, they spoke to somebody who was gay and he was, you know, talking t- to the producers and stuff in the movie on camera about his experience, about how he came to find out that he was and what his feelings were. And I want to make special note of this scene because I was actually pretty grabbed by it like it was it was very i think initially so they introduce it the flashback elements like so sharply with these like it's real quick you're like breaking edits where it's like just some guy like yelling yelling a name he's like boy boy like and it's just these hard cuts for like a frame or two and it's super quick but then like you start to see bigger clips and like it just slowly brings us into this like flashback but it was a very interesting and almost modern editing technique for the time and I think the thing that like really kind of captured me about it was that as it went on as he like described more and more you could see him physically getting more uncomfortable Yes, as he described it and then it started to almost feel like they were treating the interview like it was this guy, this character who ultimately matters nothing to this story. Doesn't matter at all, yep. But it almost felt like he was in that moment confronting the guilt and the trauma of that moment. Yeah. Where and he- then he like ended the interview because he was too uncomfortable. And and the story he was telling was and and it was 70s-ish speak, so it was hard to kind of understand, but, like, he was pretty much saying that, you know, he'd always been a jock, he'd always been in locker rooms, and was like, oh, okay, like, I feel comfortable in this environment. And he's like, oh, I've always tried to date women, and, you know, I've tried to, you know, make love to women, and it just felt more like a chore, something you had to do. But when he had this encounter with a coach or an old gentleman, I wasn't sure what he was. And this gentleman was like coming on to him. He was kind of like, oh, what are you doing? And very like, this feels natural. And that's how he realized that, oh, I like men. And you could see, even he said like, and the guilt sets over sometimes and I just don't know how to control it. Because it's still, it's a society where being gay in the 70s was still like... It wasn't terrible, but you didn't openly talk about it. Yeah, I don't know. That that scene, just to me, it felt so... Raw. So raw, so real, and it's like, it felt like something you'd only see a filmmaker do now. Yes. Like, it was so weird to see it in a 
movie from 72. Yeah, and I remember you saying, oh, uh, before we watched the movie, we were like, oh, one reviewer said this movie's boring. I fucking disagree. This yeah. was a hell of a view. I don't think it was boring. Into the way women thought about sex and took it back from a patriarchal viewpoint. And it was kind of nice to include a, you know, a, a homosexual man in this because it's interesting to see that not only is the free love movement like something that women taking, but you see that, you know, gay men and women are like, no, we're taking this back as well. Since you brought it up, I'm looking at that review right now. Yeah. And I'm not going to equate the review. To- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Anybody, this is just a review that's on IMDb. Yep. So they gave it a 2 out of 10 stars. The title of the review is A Really Boring Movie. He goes on, uh, this person goes on to say... This film involves a college student by the name of Gabriella who openly expresses her to her friends that she feels somewhat inhibited but when it comes to dating men. So her three friends, Maggie, Carla, and Heather, each take a turn training her in order to resolve her sexual inhibitions. It's during this time that each of them reveal that they plan on using their boyfriends to help them out. Now, rather than reveal any more, I will just say that all right, so, all right, they they do basic recap, and then it's, now then reveal any more, I will just go on to say that other than the presence of two attractive actresses, Pat Woodall and Marky Bay, this film had few redeeming qualities. The plot, uh, the plot lacked passion, and the dialogue consisted of nothing but pretentious drivel. Admittedly, there is some partial nudity here, and... Uh, admittedly, sorry. Admittedly, there is some partial nudity here and there, but even then, it doesn't really alter the fact that this is a really boring movie. Overall, things considered, that's one messy sentence. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I don't consider this to be a good film by any means, and I have rated it accordingly. I don't think you got the point. No, <laughs> I, I think that was written by a man who wanted to see TNA. TNA, yeah. And, like, I don't think you really gave this film a fair shake, whoever you are. Yeah. And I urge you, watch it again, because there's a lot of substance in this movie that I was not expecting to see. Just seeing the opening credits, I was like, oh, Sean, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I picked. By the end, I was like, all right, nope, I'm happy with this. I am. Um, It does 
show, like, once they're, they're done talking about her flashback, um, there is her going back to a room there, um, and there's a scene where she's holding a flower and she's touching herself, and we're like, oh, oh, there's masturbation. But it comes to a point where she realizes that the whole story turned her on again. And she got up to like, oh, I was gonna go get some wine, and she ends up watching her friend Maggie have sex with Surfer Boy. On uh, and it's not something like where she's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna diddle my well, whatever. Oh, diddle the bean. Is that what it's called? Flick the bean. I'm gonna flick my bean in the hallway. No, she's. Genuinely, I know I'm very such crude. a stupid term. It is flick of the beam, um, but it's very interesting because she watches and she watches them, like they're not pounding each other. They're just kissing and touching and loving each other. And she's just like, you can see her yearn for that because there's is that where they have a flashback of the Garden of Eve between her and like the boyfriend where they first make love. No, that was during the. That was during the second one. That was during the seminar thing that they were During the through. seminar. And it was like, she's having these flashbacks to like these feelings of when she first kind of, and then you realize like Maggie's like, oh, they, Surfer Boy's like, oh, your friend's watching. And Maggie's like, come on in, Gabriella. Like, they're both naked on the bed. Like, Gabriella's only in a towel. And she's like, oh, I was going to go get my suit, get dressed. She's like, no, no, come on. Maggie makes a big point throughout the whole thing to say, say what you want. Say what you mean. Don't just dance around the subject. And she goes, well, I was watching and I, I, I want you to make love to me. And it was one of those things where Maggie goes, if that's what you want, say it. So she's kind of instilling in Gabriella. Don't just dance around the subject. If you want something, say it with intention. That way people know you mean it. So kind of teaching her, like, don't keep your voice quiet. Don't keep it shy. Keep it out. Keep it loud. Yeah. And I think Maggie, while being like, kind of, I would, I would call her like, um, like a dr- dramatic girl. Like she had a scene where she got pissed at surfer boy and she was like, this is what I want. And he was like, okay, I'll give that to you. But then you see her being like, no, Uh, We as women need to put forth our intentions right away. Too long we've been like, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. No, make what you mean speak. So then uh, we don't get to see it, but, you know, Gabriella drops the towel and they all three have a threesome. There's the free hippie love right there. That's fine. Um, That scene ends. The next one we go to right away is Carla. We meet fucking, what did they call her? Fiery Carla. I would call her Fiery. And I want to preface to say she is a very strong, opinionated black woman. She is a gorgeous black woman. Oh my God. So, to me, like, once we started to see, like, really see Carla in action, so to to speak, she felt very much like she could have been at least the type of character that inspired Tarantino's girls from the first half of Death Proof, which I don't think you've seen Death Proof. No, I've never seen Death Proof. Which, where eventually we are going to watch that. Give me Jackie Brown vibes. Similar. Yeah. So, like, if you, when you watch Death Proof, I think you're gonna really start to, like, notice, like, how much influence Tarantino draws from the 70s. Yeah. Because the characters in Death Proof, like at least a few of them in that opening uh, section, because that movie's broken into two halves, mm. they feel so much like Carla, okay. like in terms of that attitude, that flair. So, 
Carla's personality was one that I adore. She was take no prisoners, give attitude, but take what you want and don't, don't be, take what you want with intention, but make sure you're keeping your integrity. So her whole thing is she has a younger four-year-old younger roommate that is going to college and it seems like Carla's graduating college and he lives there and you know they're talking she's like I get what I want out of him but it's a mutual exchange like like you know he's here you know I have this beautiful she even says it I have this beautiful gorgeous white boy that I learn from and he learns from me you know I don't want this society to just like push me down. She's like, it's very hard for young black women to make it in society. So we have to make our own, we have to make our own way, our own way. Um, and she makes it a point to say, you know, I sleep with him all the time, every chance I get, but we always learn from each other. And I was like, okay, she keeps her options open. And I think what she's trying to teach Gabriella is that don't be afraid to take what you want. If you want to sleep with this beautiful boy, do it. Just make your intentions known. And I guess Carla goes and does a couple of errands and leaves her with, I don't remember his name. We'll call him freshman. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was a freshman in, in uh, college. And Gabriella makes it very known that she's like, I really like you. You're very sweet. You're very kind. I have a very high opinion of very sweet, kind men. The boy I fell in love with that I was going with, and they use the term going with. I think that's like dating yeah. for them. Uh, the boy that she was dating or going with for a while had a very sweet, kind heart. And then there was a flashback to her father. There was like a small little flashback to like her parents fighting and her being like, stop fighting and her running out of the house with the boyfriend and throwing their shoes and going to the garden and meeting and making love. Yeah. And it cuts intertwined to her and freshmen having sex, making love. Same thing. I don't know why I said it twice. Whatever. And get and um, Carla coming back and being like, welcome to the sisterhood. But freshman makes it a point to say, I have a girlfriend. I love my girlfriend, but this is what we do. It's all about free love. It's about loving who you want, when you want, and not apologizing for it. Yes. And that's that's basically where this section yeah, of the that movie one, ends. Yeah, that one was quick. But there's a couple, so there's a couple things here. First of all, that last moment with Carla. Was weird. It felt so much to me, like, when she's talking to her at the very end there like she was being indoctrinated into a fucking cult let me make it a point <laughs> that's that what it felt like throughout this movie sean is like this would make one hell of a horror movie because there's a scene where the director for the, the photographer the photo- not the photographer the the um the people that were making the the movie that oh, yeah, she yeah, and her yeah. boyfriend were featured in, they were making love. And it was just them, like, blah, 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 touching each other's tongues and moaning. It was very odd. But Sean no, was like... No, it wasn't him. No, no. Yeah, it was, it was the two of them. No, the the first thing that I had said was uh, it was about the photographer. Because they were, he was with the redhead and he was talking about... She was like, oh, you like my skin. Do you? <laughs> And so I made a comment. I was like, yes, 
He likes skin. He collects it. Yeah, okay. Yep, that was the first one. <laughs> he hangs That's... it up on clothespins next to his photographs. And then there was the second one where the two directors were making love, and there's film reels everywhere, and you were like, you said something like, yes, and then I take the skin and make it into film strips and hang it. Yeah, I was continuing that. <laughs> and then there's the horror number two, and then Carla's horror thing. I don't think there was one. There wasn't Carla. really one, but all I kept thinking was, like, Carla would walk in and be like, welcome to the cult, and then she just plunges a dagger yeah. into her fucking, or into freshman going, now no one can have him. Like, it was very, very, like, Sean can make anything into a horror movie, of even, course. like, a very feminist movie like this. Oh, <laughs> uh, but the other thing about this segment that I want, like, this, during this one, I noticed that the, there's a dynamic that I really liked that it's kind of carried with Gabriella throughout this movie of like she's a woman with a a specific viewpoint on like love being something more than just sexual compatibility yes she's in this world that's exploding with like free love and sexual revolution and I so like I liked that dynamic and I also liked how it's contrast by how the exploration of sexual revolution is changing her viewpoint. Yeah. It's a very interesting... She goes from very prude and talking about God in the beginning to the end being a whole different person. Yeah. A whole different person. It's really... The whole movie is about character growth in a lot of ways. It, It is, and it's a very interesting study in how a character in a film should grow. There are some films that do not know how to flesh out a character worth a fucking damn. Yeah. And maybe they should read they should watch this and take a few tips on how to grow a character from a very narrow-minded point of view to a broader point of view. The third one is probably the most interesting because it had the most like telling of why she has a very narrow-minded viewpoint. So we're introduced to Brassy Heather. And Heather, I thought, was the more boring character. She didn't have much to do with that last story. No, she did not. Um, Gabriella goes out to meet Heather um, on a boat with her man friend. Um, His name was John. John. And I want to talk a little bit about John. Okay, let's talk about John. Because the second I saw John, well, the second I saw John, I made another joke that added to my my serial killer theory. Oh, God. Which, uh, because he immediately started talking about uh, biting Heather's nose off. <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy collects noses. <laughs> so, each of these people are just killers. And, oh, I forgot the first, the first one was when I, the photographer was like, oh, you'll be on all the centerfolds. And I'm like, oh my God, she's the next centerfold girl to get killed by creepy man from the centerfold <laughs> girls. That's it. She's the next bitch. But that kind of got the ball rolling for whole yeah. horror shit. But, um, so when I saw John, I was like, this guy reminds me awful lot of Kurt Russell. Okay. And there's a reason for it. Because I did, I didn't realize it the sec at the first second, but then it, it clicked. Kurt Russell's character it of stuntman Mike in Death Proof says at one point that he once used to double Gary Clark in his career. Oh. And the character is physically very much modeled after Gary Clark. And the guy who, <laughs> who plays, plays John, John is Gary Clark. Oh my God. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> That's awesome. It's funny that 
somebody like you who's very into films and kind of retains a lot of this information, going to watch all of these interesting films that you're like, oh, I'm going to pick this on a whim and watching dots get connected. I mean, how many films have we seen that were like, oh, God, this seems like it influenced this film. And sure enough, wouldn't you know it, looking it up, it has. Yeah. And I even I think we even made a joke um, like, oh, his name's John, John Carpenter, blah, blah, blah. And we were making these like little quippy jokes about how we kept making like cigarette smoking jokes throughout the whole fucking movie. Oh my movie. god, everybody was like, Are you smoke? Do you want smoke? Smoke? I'm like, oh, like, there was a lot of, oh, oh, do you want something, uh, ass or grass? And that was a comment that came up several times. Yeah. And I laughed. I was like, Man, that's funny. Nobody smokes anymore, but that grass is still very prevalent in today's society. But the whole point of Heather introducing Gabriella to John is so she could introduce her, Gabriella, to John's wealthy friends. And I forget the two of their names. We'll call them Mr. and Mrs. Um, Gabriella's sunbathing after Heather and John go down and, you know, do a little hanky-panky, have a couple conversation. Their shit's not important. Um... But Gabriella is introduced to Mr. and Mrs. And Mr. takes a very much liking to Gabriella. He comments, you know, you're a very beautiful girl. You know, you have a lot going for you. You know, you would make somebody very happy. And he kind of, you know, comes on to her a little bit. But you kind of think about, oh, it's an older man being very playful with the young woman. It's not a big deal. He goes away. And the wife says, oh, you know, Mr. really likes you. He goes, yeah, he's groovy. I like him, too. He goes, no, he really likes you. And she makes it a point to say, well, you know, wouldn't you be upset if, you know, I I got with your husband? She goes, no, I wouldn't. I would I would not. Like, if that's something that would make him happy, then why wouldn't I give that to him? And that's very, very telling for the 70s, because nowadays shit like that, I don't ever hear like stuff like that happening. And when you do hear that people or people you know have an open relationship it automatically in your mind is like oh well that's never gonna last well they're gonna ruin their marriage why i know people in these predicaments and i think it's made them happier because you have the person that you absolutely adore that you love that you want to spend the rest of your life with but sometimes a relationship the monotony of day-to-day life can make it stale and I think that's why a lot of marriages don't last because things you go into a relationship with all of these beautiful expectations and butterflies and wonderful things but the monotony of life can really drag you down I mean life is harder than it ever has been for couples children uh, mortgages life family just the world expenses expenses everything I mean you and I are at the point where we're very comfortable in our relationship we just celebrated five years and it's been a great it's been a, a great five years yeah. but it has been a fucking roller coaster oh you're not kidding and right now we're enjoying the plateau coast that we're going through Our life is by no means a picnic, but when we reach these lovely plateaus, it's very nice. We don't need that kind of like, oh, we're going to open a relationship and go see other people. That's, That's not what our relationship needs. We have our hobbies. The two of us get along so well. We've never fought in five fucking years, ever. And I still think to myself... 
When's the when's the ball going to drop? When's something going to come out from under us? But I will say in the last year, you and I have been through hell and back. And we've still managed to cry, to scream, to get it out, and then look at each other and fucking belly laugh at something so stupid. And it's been amazing. Yeah. But the monotony has not has gotten to us and we found a way around the monotony. Some couples, they have they have everything. They're they're well off, you know, they have their children, they have their home, they have everything, but something's not right. So that is in turn why some people choose polyamory, an open relationship, or even like, I'm not happy in the skin I'm in. I want to see if, you know, me being a woman and if I transition into a skin that's more comfortable and makes more sense for me, some relationships need that. Yeah. We found our stride. It's a great stride. We know other couples that have found their stride and they're doing well. We also know couples who have not found their stride and they're going through some struggles. And you know what? I'm an advocate for this kind of thing. If this is what your relationship needs, by all means, do it. I would rather see, you know, you come to terms or you come to terms with your partner on let's try to make something different rather than let's give up, let's divorce. It's not working. And I think that's where Gabriella is not propositioned, but Mr. kind of goes to her and is like, I like you very much. I think we could come to an arrangement. You know, I could support you. I could make sure that you're financially well off, but we also have a companionship and I make sure that you're taken care of. And some people would be like, and this guy, I mean, he must be as old as her dad. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get to her dad in a minute. But by the end of this, you see her, you know, understanding that when the girl said, you can't say no, you have to go along with everything we say, she says yes. And she becomes a much more open-minded person with all these, you know, relationships and friendships and arrangements that she has with these people. Now, she does have a conversation with Heather at one point about why she's kind of like very close-minded about relationships because she goes into a backlash about how her parents would fight all the time. Backflash? Look. <laughs> Flashback? Look. <laughs> we don't need to go over the fact that sometimes English is not good for me. My brain doesn't work and I'm also like I know I am trying to learn another language. You're lucky I didn't say it in Korean, okay? <laughs> You're very lucky. <laughs> But she goes into this flashback about how her parents would fight all the time. Her mother hated her father and her father would literally go out at night cruising for young women. He'd pick up young women. He'd take them home. He'd sleep with them. And she just didn't see love the same way as that. That's why when she had her boyfriend, Stefan, I think he was called, they waited so long. They let it blossom. And she, I I got the feeling that she thought that that would be her forever and going off to college changed all that. We don't know what happened to her and Stefan. All we know is she's now a very free spirit and doesn't tie herself down. But the dad was sleazy. He was that older, you know, chain smoking, cigar smoking, you know, picking up young, picking up young girls like her, his daughter's age. And I think at one point there was a conversation where Heather said, oh yeah, I was into this dude. He was 25 years old and I was 14. And I was like, oh, oh, so Heather has like an old man complex and, you know, she's using it to her advantage because 
sometimes older men love to treat younger ladies. Yes. But Heather's, uh, Gabriella's opinion of that is different. So Heather was like, look, there is a difference between, you know, an older sleazy dude picking up young women and an older man taking care of a younger woman, knowing that, you know, he's still married. He has... Uh, someone that he committed his life to, but is looking to enhance their relationship, which was fine. Um, and by the end, they make an arrangement. And I don't know. The next scene is her in the future. And she's talking to a girl named Sue. And Sue's like, you know, I would love to do the same thing you did, but I'm really shy around men. I don't know how to talk to them. I really don't know how to pursue them. And she says the same thing the three girls do. Trust me. Do what I tell you to. Don't say no. Keep your options open. And I'll teach you how to be able to use your femininity and your womanhood to get what you want, but do it in a way that benefits yourself and benefits the other people. And the final scene is the other three girls, Heather, Carla, and Maggie standing there just like, look, we passed our knowledge to her and just going to the next people. Which at that point in the film, I was like, this is a very feminist movie but a 1970s feminist it's a different this is not bra burning you know i hate men down with all men everybody sucks kind of thing this is using what you know to help yourself out put it this way female empowerment yes i would say um to a degree to a degree like when my generation who grew up in the 80s uh the 90s and the early 2000s when we think of female empowerment we go to the spice girls that's where my brain goes, is the Spice Girls. Girl power, blah, 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 positivity. I wish I knew this when I was in my 20s. This movie is, you know, where the Spice Girls is like the light version. You should have met me sooner. Honestly, I don't know what I would have done if I would have met you in my 20s. Honestly, what, what knowing what you know about me when I was in my 20s, the type of person I was, and knowing what I know about you when you were in your 20s, I do not think we would have gotten along. No, probably not. No, I think you would have thought I was a dumb pain in the ass who doesn't know when to stop. And I think that's exactly how to describe myself. I was very young, very naive, very dumb. But you were also very guarded, very much a different person than you are now. Um, A friend of mine says that, you know, we've both been through a lot. And our 20s were very tough for the both of us, but we met each other at exactly the right time when we needed each other. And, oh God, I wish I would have met you when I was younger. We would have had so much fucking fun. So much fun. But both of us were not in the same mindset. We were not. We would have... I honestly think I would have strangled you. I would have been like, oh my God, you're depressing. Shut the fuck up. Stop talking about this. Stop talking. Like, But now... Don't give me that face. Wow. Wow. But now it's like, I cannot wait. Like, I cannot wait to come home and talk to you. I cannot wait to tell you how my day was. I cannot wait to tell you how my day was. I cannot wait to hear you bitching about life. I cannot wait for the most mundane things just for us just to be together. Like, we live in a shoebox, a cardboard box. We're on top of each other 24-7. Giggity. Uh, but <laughs> I had to. But at the same time, 
like you would think I think to myself like oh like I feel bad he doesn't get that much alone time or you even said to me like oh you don't get that much alone time without me here but at the same time I don't want to be that far away from you because you've turned into not only my absolute the absolute ultimate best friend but like I want to tell you like everything like down to oh my god like my stomach hurts so bad i was in the bathroom 80 times today oh i can't fuck like i cannot wait to tell you every detail this even if it's stupid like oh my god i tripped and fell on my face and i ate shit oh it sucked like i want you to tell me oh work was annoying and i can't stand it you know and even the little struggles like we're we're not well off we struggle like (laughs) we scrape pennies but i can't imagine anybody else i'd rather do it with i can't anybody in the world i don't care it's you and me baby agree you're stuck with me he is a man of few words Oh Yay. God! Oh, so few words. I talk. I think I talk more in this relationship than you do sometimes. But when he gets started on a subject, I refuse. I will not let him stop. Like if it's a movie that I've never heard of, or like a subject that I know nothing about, I let you go because it's just like I love seeing your face light up. You get this little twinkle in your eye that I'm like, oh babe, it's so funny. I love it. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> hey. But get back to it. Relationships are tough. And it's nice to see a movie like this where it's like, sure, you can settle down. You can go for all that stuff, but you're young. Why not experience everything life has to experience? We're not young anymore. Well, people would say we're young. I don't feel young. We're not young like this anymore. Like, I've already experienced everything I've wanted to. I want the mundane and monotony now. <laughs> I'm so happy to come home and to not go to wild parties and do stupid shit like this movie. Oh, yeah, it's worth watching. It really is. If you want a perspective of what the 70s versus the 2020s are, you know. So on that note, did you have any favorites? Handy dandy phone book, notebook, phone book. I don't know what to call There's a line that John says that made both of us look at each other and go, What? An incestuous father's love and concern. And he says that to Heather. And I now do not know the context, do not remember, but that line skeeved me out. But in the context of the story, it made sense. I think it was because they both recognize that he has a thing for younger women. She has a thing for older men. Yeah. So it's kind of. And it's not like. It's not a, oh, oh, you know, little girl, oh, daddy kind of relationship, because that exists, and no kink shaming, but I gotta go. (laughs) Like, I gotta walk away. You do you, but I gotta walk away. But that line when he says, yep, and an incestuous father's love and concern, and I'm like, but in the context of the story, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, My other favorite was just when there, it's, it's. Maggie and Gabriella in the bathroom and she pinned her hair up and she's like let me help you unpin your hair from taking a shower and she's just standing in a towel drinking wine and I'm like yeah that's exactly what it's like to be a girl (laughs) is getting ready with your friends like let me fix your hair you're half naked you're drinking like that's what your 20s look like you're pre-gaming ready to go out meet some men you're half naked you're doing your hair you don't fucking care you're just in the moment and that was one of those things where I was like man I miss doing that I miss getting ready to go out to clubs and partying and shit but my body can't handle that no more. I ain't doing it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> what 
about you? Any favorites? I actually think my favorite scene was the the one we talked about the that interview sequence with I think she calls the kid Butch. Oh yeah, when um the filmmaker was talking to the the young gay guy, yeah. Yeah, I just the the filmmaking of that scene was just really good. It felt very like 70s, very groovy. She was like, "Oh, like he was so happy to see her and he was being very flamboyant." And you could see him kind of close off more as the interview went, but she kind of But that's what I made mean. him feel better like, like, "Come on, Butch, it's okay. It You're was, doing great." It's like, "All right." It was the subtlety of the emotion that like slowly bled out as yep. that scene went on. That just it was really well done. And she was like, yep, you, you've done great today. We can get together tomorrow. How are you doing? And you could see him close off while it's interviewing. And then he opened back up and he felt comfortable again. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this isn't about like a sleazy filmmaker exploiting kids. This is about somebody really trying to capture something pure. And while I believe all the TNA that they threw in was like, look, ass, titties, titties, ass, titties. It was more of a... Come see the movie and learn something. Yeah. I think there was some some form of true intention yeah. behind this. It was sometimes there's sometimes you have to think about it as a lot of filmmakers put tits and ass in movies to put seats it put asses in the seats. This was, yeah, we're putting asses in the seats, but you're gonna learn something. And I like that. I wish more movies at least tried to do that. Yeah. Nowadays, it's like, watch this woman covered in fucking blood run down the road, you know, screaming and crying because somebody's trying to kill her. And we're just getting you in the seats because look, her boobies are bouncing with blood on them. Like, come on. <laughs> this was a lady was at one point like in a go-go suit. She took her top off and they were, you know, titties were flying around in slow-mo. And you were like, oh, they're padding the runtime. But it was actually pushing the fact that this dad was, that her dad was so sleazy that that was the only place where his attention was focused. Yeah. And while we were like, oh, this is weird, it made more sense in the context of the story. I was like, okay, all right. I have to admit, this was a, this, uh, it's like on the top five so far. In my opinion. This was really good. This was very good. I, I apologized at the beginning. I'm taking back that apology. I'm not sorry for picking this one. Do you feel you would have done anything differently? Honestly, maybe fleshed it out a little more where we learned a little bit more backstory of the other three girls. I would have liked to know a little bit more about them and how their stories came to be, how they became these women. But I think that's the beauty of it. It's the masters teaching the new student and then so on and so on. So, yeah, this is more Gabriella's story than anybody else's. I'm very interested in the three other girls stories and how they became the women they are. Yeah, that's very true. Especially Carla, man. I, (laughs) I'm telling you, Carla was a beautiful fucking woman and I loved her acting. The opening credit, though, is just her like groovy dancing and people just clapping around her. It was very weird and we weren't sure how this was going to (laughs) go. (laughs) But then it made sense, like, Carla was the center of attention where she was, and it made more sense, but still that opening scene's a little weird. (laughs) Yeah. Would you do this any differently? I... I don't think so. I mean, maybe less heavy on the flashbacks within flashbacks. Yeah. But ultimately, no. I think the story's told in a pretty 
Like, it's not hard to follow. I don't want to, like, make it sound like it's confusing. No, this is not last week's it's movie. It's very easy to follow, but it's just, it's somewhat jarring when you know that you're in a flashback and then suddenly there's a flashback in that flashback. I, I think it went three flashbacks deep at one point. Because the weirder and you're part like, is, where are we? <laughs> the stories are being told by Gabriella. Yep. But then there's the flashbacks that happen aren't hers. Nope. So it's like, what is going on? There's somebody else's flight. Like, she was like, oh, my father was a man that would cruise Sunset Boulevard and pick up young chicks. And then we're seeing it from the dad's point of view. Yeah. And then we're like, how would your daughter know this much detail? It's kind of crazy. Like It's a little gross. But <laughs> it's easy enough to follow. Yeah. So I think it's fine. Mainstream exploitation or other. This is fucking exploitation. This is under the guise of exploitation. Maybe a little bit of sexploitation, but it's like sexploitation with a fucking point. This is hippie exploitation. Hippie? Well, I'm learning new exploitations lately. There's so many different exploitations. Hippie exploitation. Hippie exploitation. Or usually just hippie films. Hippie films, is, okay. Is a s- fucking subcategory of exploitation film. Okay. Do you have anything else you would like to discuss about Class of 74? The title is extremely misleading. I thought this was a story about dumb college kids. Which it is. It is, but, but it's in a different sense. It's a different type of graduating class. Yeah, so if you're going to watch this movie, go into it knowing that, like, this outside has nothing of, to do with college. Outside of the opening sequence and the very ending, none of this takes place in or around college. No, none of this. This takes place at a beach house, in an apartment, and then on a boat. That's yeah. where these take place. And there's nothing to do with college other than they are college girls learning their way through the world. That is right. it. All right. Well, I guess that's going to bring this discussion of Class of 74 to an end. But don't go anywhere just yet. Please stay tuned for the coming attractions. It all began in a peaceful community, a place that had never known evil until now. But 20 years ago, in the stillness beneath these waters, something happened. And now, its deadly spawn has been released. Coming up from the depths, out into the light. Slugs. First, they got into the water system. Now they'll get into your system. Oh my god! They ooze. There's something down there that's killing people. They slime. We got a new dead body showing up every 10 minutes. They kill. We're dealing with a mutant form of slug here, a kind that eats meat. It has three or four rows of teeth. Don't turn on the tap. <laughs> Don't go in the basement. No! Get out of it! Steer clear of the sewers. Whatever you do, don't make out while your parents aren't home. Slugs. It may be the most shocking movie you will ever see. Slugs.
don't want to watch this. No. <laughs> it's an English-Spanish movie? What? Sean. Yes? I thought I said no more weird movies after ticks. You mean bug movies? I mean anything creepy crawly. First you made me sit through the fucking spider movie that I still hate to this day. Then you made me watch ticks that made me want to vomit. Now we're going for slugs? Oh, we're going for slugs. Oh, I don't wanna. Don't make me watch this. Look, you can't avoid bug movies. There's a lot of them. And some of them are pretty fucking sick. Yeah, I'm gonna throw up, dude. Oh, all right. Let's get this over with. Fucking slugs. I think it's slugs. I think it's Ron Weasley throwing up in the bucket. Uh. <laughs> yes, all I think of. <laughs> so you're not excited for next week, I assume. Oh, look, I've been relatively surprised with a lot of films lately. A lot of films. I watch your damn slug movie, but I'm not happy about it. It might be better than you think. Or I might want to kill myself. Th- th- that's a possibility. Yeah. But if either way, it should lead to a pretty good conversation. Yeah, uh, I might have to put the mic way over here because I'll be yelling again. She's going to scream at me. I'm going to scream at you. All right. That's going to bring this episode to an end. If you want to keep up with everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. You can find us on Discord where you can chat with Leah about this film or any of the films that we previously covered or you can suggest us some movies we'd love to hear what you would like us to check out all the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes listen to us first thing every monday morning and give us a rating on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher or wherever you get your morning fix if you like what we're doing and you want to support this show you can subscribe to us over on patreon or directly through Acast, where you can get yourself access to ad free listening and some and unlock some fun exclusive bonus content just for our supporters until next week i'm sean and i'm leah thanks for listening and keep watching bye-bye now bye-bye go have some free sex and love bye-bye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.